So if you've got a cryptocurrency that was started this year or, or recently or whatever, it's starting off centralized. And nowadays, because everyone knows about cryptocurrency, it's so hard for that cryptocurrency not to be attacked. So really, Bitcoin was really the only opportunity in history of something kind of to fly under the radar. And now, you know, 13 years later, Bitcoin is so strong, as Ferris mentioned. The network is so secure. It's so decentralized. It's censorship resistant. It's immutable. A cryptocurrency that's created tomorrow is never, ever going to achieve that. Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Ferris and Gordon. Visit bitcoinbasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin. And perhaps, Faris, this would be a good time before we get into, uh, we've teased quite a lot before we get into blockchain. What is P2P? How does it work? Because that's kind of the basis of the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, good point. So peer-to-peer is essentially I send something directly from one individual, myself, to you, for example, Gordon, um, or to someone else. So if I were to send you money 20 years ago, um, I'd have to, you'd have to have a bank account. I'd have to have a bank account. We'd have to do a wire transfer. There, other than handing you something physical, there was no way for me to send you something on your side of the world unless we we're going through a third party. Peer-to-peer eliminates that. So um, I can't just go ahead and send you US dollars. I can't send you Australian dollars, New Zealand dollars. I can't even send you gold digitally um, without going through a third party. And Bitcoin is peer-to-peer currency in that, yes, I can send this to you directly. There's no third party involved. Why is that? Why do we need a third party? Like I know you, well, I I know you, I trust you. why can't I just send you money directly? Why do we need So what a third party does is it's basically acting like an adjudicator, a mediator. So um, if I send Gordon $20, Gordon can just go, hang on, I never received it. And I go, no, I did send it to you, but where's the proof of transaction? A third party provides a proof of transaction. That's what it does. So even though there is no third party involved in Bitcoin, there's still that transaction. And that transaction is not controlled by any one centralized third party. It's not controlled by a bank or a government. It is controlled by the network, which we'll explain later. So probably good summarizing here. Peer-to-peer means I'm sending Gordon something. The problem we've had in the past is I could, and we had this with, um, so digital um, currencies. So difference between cryptocurrency and digital currency. We won't explain that here, but we have had digital currencies in the past where I would have, say, $10 of eCash. I could send that eCash to Gordon and send that eCash to Joe in America at the same time. And I could then say, here you go, I sent it. Gordon would receive it first. Joe wouldn't. But even though I've got a transaction that says I sent it to him, he won't receive it because I only had $10 to spend and I spent it twice. That's called double spending. Bitcoin basically got rid of double spending. With cryptocurrency, it figured out a way of here's how we avoid double spending. And that's what the Bitcoin blockchain does. It keeps a record of how much Bitcoins I actually have in my wallet and it won't allow me to double spend. And I can't even remember what your question was, but I don't know if I've answered it. Did you know we provide a help desk at bitcoinbasics.help? Do you need help buying Bitcoin on an exchange or transferring your Satoshis to a Bitcoin wallet? Perhaps you need assistance with setting up a desktop, mobile or hardware wallet. 
is your security hygiene up to date? We provide individual, one-on-one support regardless of your understanding of Bitcoin, size of investment, or level of technical ability. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Oh, that's good. We're going around here and, and, and everything's related. It's hard to sort of keep on one particular thread. Okay, so we've looked at uh, what decentralization is. We've looked at um, like the internet, email, SMS. I can't hear you if you're talking. Are you talking? Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, so we've, we've looked at uh, decentralization and, and what that is. We've looked at BitTorrent, uh, this peer-to-peer as Faris mentioned um, in the real world. And in the real world, we can use cash, you know, cash is peer-to-peer, you pay someone with a $10 note. Um, but you need some sort of third party, some sort of entity like a bank to facilitate those transactions. And if Faris doesn't have the same bank as me, you need another bank and someone's intermediate between that. Da, da, da. So how do you create a system, a currency, as Faris mentioned, a cryptocurrency? Well, you need that decentralization. You need that peer-to-peer. So there are two components like BitTorrent, but you still haven't solved the problem of someone creating coins infinitum. So we could have created Bitcoin using BitTorrent and you know, you create coins, you create 21 million coins, but what stops someone copying those coins? Like I send some money to, I send one Bitcoin to Faris. What stops me from copying that transaction or copying those coins you know, infinitum? And so that's basically what the Bitcoin blockchain solves. It solves what Faris just mentioned, the double spend problem. And the way that it solves the double spend problem is uh, with the blockchain. And the blockchain is not just Bitcoin. The blockchain is sort of the Bitcoin network, the technology behind Bitcoin. And essentially what it is, it is something that uses something of real world value, power, electricity. And it uses that computing power to essentially um, make the Bitcoin network secure. So it does this through something called proof of work. So perhaps Faris, now's a good uh, chance to explain what is proof of work and how the Bitcoin network can basically solve this double spend problem. Yes, I really love proof of work. And um, I'm gonna use the example of of gold actually um i like to go between example gold and pyramids i'll do both so let's start with gold what makes gold valuable there's five different things that really make gold valuable and make it a handy currency it's been a currency for five thousand years when you're holding gold and it's real gold there's it didn't just you know no one just picked it up from the ground like that someone had to a find where they think gold is so geographical land survey geology survey sorry they had to dig a hole, dig a tunnel, look for it. They wouldn't have had it the first go. There's a lot involved. Had to find it, had to get it out of the ground, had to transport it. And then they had to break it down into that segment. There is a lot and a lot of work involved around um, that little piece of gold. This proof of work applies to all things in life. Why is a Rolls Royce more expensive than uh, a high owned eye? Why, if you go to a really fancy restaurant, and you get served um, a very basic hamburger, well, you're not going to be very happy. But when you go to McDonald's, you're expecting it takes you know, a few minutes at McDonald's to eat your meal. It can take a half hour at a nice restaurant and it's presented amazingly well. That's proof of work. Proof of work is in everything we do. The more work involved, the more you're going to pay for it. Um, so what proof of work has done with Bitcoin is 
it's created these transactions that we're talking about. So if I were to send Gordon some Satoshis and I want to get us into the habit of using Satoshis because not everyone can buy a single Bitcoin and you're not going to be sending a single Bitcoin every time. Satoshis is like cents to the dollar, Satoshis to Bitcoin. So Satoshis are increments of Bitcoins. Hang so on, Farris, before, say, you, before you go yeah. on, because this is important, what, how much is a Satoshi in, in Bitcoin? So a Satoshi, one Satoshi is one eighth of a Bitcoin. So Bitcoin goes to eight decimal points. That's why if you look at Bitcoin you know, in dollar terms, um, it'll have yeah, eight decimal points after it. So one um, one hundred millionth of Bitcoin. Yeah. So if I were to send, say, to Gordon 200 Satoshis, that transaction from my wallet to his is, and it's kind of like it's equivalent to sending him an email, it's recorded somewhere. So this transaction with Gordon is lumped in with a whole bunch of other transactions taking place at the same time. So what happens is if in, and it's usually done in average of 10 minutes. So all these transactions that are taking place between 3.38 p.m. and 3.48 p.m. are lumped together and they're processed Together. Now, the way they're processed, and we don't want to go into too much detail, is where this is um, where Bitcoin mining comes in. So, when I am sending Gordon Bitcoin Satoshis, a computer is working in the background, basically proving that I have those Bitcoins in my wallet, that I'm sending it to them. It's, it's working through a mathematical algorithm. Those computers cost energy. Now, this is what makes Bitcoin decentralized. Anyone can mine Bitcoin. Not anyone can create a currency in a government. That's called counterfeiting. But anyone can actually get into Bitcoin and be involved in the process of mining Bitcoins. So what this means is um, the third party where the bank goes, yep, we can see Ferris has $100 in his bank account. He's sending $2 to Gordon. Not a problem. With Bitcoin mining, that's what they're doing is taking the bank's role and going, yep, Ferris has X amount of Satoshis in his wallet. He's sending said Satoshis to Gordon. We will confirm that transaction. All those transactions are lumped together in one block. That block is processed and settled. And this is really important to appreciate about Bitcoin is the settlement time. You can buy something on your credit card and the settlement time could be up to 60 days in that within 60 days, either party can basically say, no, I don't approve that transaction, have it reversed. And you go through a whole process, a dispute. With Bitcoin, it is settled inside of 10 minutes on average. That block is one block. And then 10 minutes later on average, it's another block of transactions and another block. This is where I like to use the analogy of a pyramid. Think of a pyramid and there, a pyramid is made up of each block. And those blocks actually weigh about four tons each. And they're basically on top of each other. They go around the circle and they're getting higher and higher and higher. The higher they go, the more blocks on that pyramid, the stronger it is. Those pyramids have been there for 5,000 years. They're not going anywhere. Bitcoin blockchain is the same. It's been around for 11 years now. It has got so many blocks sitting on top of each other that that network is basically saying, on this day, Gordon's, Ferris sent Gordon some Satoshis that is irrefutable. And that transaction is lumped in the middle of this huge pyramid of blocks. It cannot be disputed. It's not going anywhere. It is recorded infinite, um, forever. So this is proof of work in that the blockchain 
is so strong that it has its transactions of every single Satoshi that's made from one wallet to another that cannot be disputed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Excellent, Faris. I'm, I'm I don't have a lot to add to that. Um, I think also, uh, I think a lot of this stuff is nuanced as well. Um, the other point I wanted to make is that the Bitcoin network and every cryptocurrency didn't start off being decentralized. And that's one of the main things that a lot of people miss in that, for example, on day one. So when Satoshi Nakamoto, whoever he, she, it, they were, started to mine Bitcoin, they were mining on their own computer and that was centralized. So Bitcoin on day one was centralized. Once people started to uh, come on board and Bitcoin got more popular, and I think after a year, there was maybe four or five miners. Um, you know, a few, few years later, there's more and more miners. So there's more miners competing for this puzzle that, that Faris mentioned. And nowadays, you know, the, I think the amount of computing power in the Bitcoin network is just, you know, it's, it's a million times more than, you know, supercomputers. Now it's decentralized, but before it wasn't. And that, that might just be a, a passing point, but I think it's important to understand that some of the properties of the Bitcoin network, like decentralization, like the fact that you can't change stuff, which is what we call immutable, like the fact that you can't center transactions, oh no, that transaction is you know, um, you know, to buy drugs or whatnot, can't be censored, whether that's legal or illegal, it doesn't matter, they just get processed. All those properties are what we call emergent properties. They basically came over time. So Bitcoin didn't start, it started centralized. And that's actually a good comparison with other cryptocurrencies. So if you've got a cryptocurrency that was started this year or, or recently or whatever, it's starting off centralized. And nowadays, because everyone knows about cryptocurrency, it's so hard for that cryptocurrency not to be attacked. So really, Bitcoin was really the only opportunity in history of something kind of to fly under the radar. And now, you know, 13 years later, Bitcoin is so strong, as Ferris mentioned, the network is so secure, it's so decentralized, it's censorship resistant, it's immutable. A cryptocurrency that's created tomorrow is never ever going to achieve that. Why? Because there are so many eyeballs, there are so many people, they know how the game is played. That network could be attacked. I mean, I could attack that network. Ferris and I could attack that new cryptocurrency, you know, mining with our laptops to do what, what, what is called a double spin. So yeah, I think that's an important point um, that the what we are talking about is an emergent property and not all blockchains are created equal. Um, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of comparing Bitcoin with other cryptocurrencies, but the fact is Bitcoin is the most decentralized cryptocurrency because of, not because it's, you know, um, in terms of the, the design and whatnot, because Bitcoin's design is quite simple, but because of the computing power, the hash, what we call hashing power, that's what makes it decentralized. So when other cryptocurrencies claim decentralization, you look at the computing power and it's, you know, one a thousandth or one ten thousandth of Bitcoin. And it's like, well, no, it's not. A few people could throw some computers, 10, 20, 50, 100 computers against that network and do what Ferris said, a, a double spin. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen the show Silicon Valley, but there is a scene where they explain this really well. It's in the last season where the main character says he wants to create a new internet. He says, our mobile phone today has more computing power than what NASA used to land man on the moon. Mm. 
and one phone has more computing power, but we're still running the internet on these archaic systems. So this is what the blockchain has. It's not doing it now. It has a potential to do is to be the next layer of the internet. What it's actually doing, it's financialized the internet because even though we are, you know, have online banking, that's not, you know, digital. It's representing, it's just another layer of paper. So it's an old system, but we've just digitized it. Whereas this is truly digital. It's peer to peer and it is removing a third party. Um, it is, and yeah, I mean, I had this recently, I had to move funds from overseas here and it's still not even here. It was a 10% fee <laughs> on Bitcoin. You're looking at sub 1% for yeah. millions of dollars. If you want if, to do if that. that, if that, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it is faster. It is quicker. It is more secure. And the key thing I want people to take away is understanding decentralization. And this is why I want to do this now, because I think people will start understanding decentralization when they realize not just how vulnerable, but how much of their entity, their identity is online. All it takes, and this has happened before, um, we've had so many hacks of um, companies getting hacked and your personal data getting out there. And when people start to go, okay, I'm not happy with YouTube knowing everything that I watch. I'm not happy with Facebook knowing everything that I do. Instagram knowing everywhere I'm located. So I think this is where people start to appreciate decentralization when this stuff starts to go really bad and your entire life is exposed. And that's when I think people appreciate Bitcoin and go, oh, I get why it's important that no one person can see everything that I do. I couldn't agree more, Faris, and those who know me, including yourself, um, I'm a very strong infosec and opsec. And nowadays, your personal identity and other identifying information is almost as valuable. I mean, as we mentioned before, um, if someone uh, knew that you had Bitcoin and they had your home address, um, that information is just as important as perhaps your Bitcoin because, you know, um, you, you're, you've got a threat to your physical security. Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help. Disclaimer. Any content provided by CoinCompass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.